The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. This week we're going to be starting off with the main event. Stock up, stock down. Joel, I tweeted before this match started that I wanted this to be a Brody Lee-esque ass-kicking And I have never felt more proud of a pre-match tweet because that's exactly what this was. While I think Darby got a little more offense in than Cody did in that match with Brody, Miro beat the shit out of him for 15 minutes. This match was insane. And if you didn't watch, Miro became our new TNT champion. Not making Darby pass out. I think tap out. I think Darby passed out in the game over. I've never seen anyone take the game over like that either. Um, he was bent like a pretzel. So Joel, what are your thoughts on the start of a new reign with the TNT champion Miro? I think this was exactly the match that we were hoping for. Uh, Darby had a great run with the title and I feel like he really, uh, did a great job of elevating the TNT title and making it a bigger deal. It's been featured in the main event on dynamite multiple times. Uh, and that's what should be happening. This is ostensibly their television championship. It is named for the network. It should be defended on the network. And I think that the pattern they've established really works here. Cody starting it off and really building some strong accolades with the belt and then the Brody Lee run followed by Darby Allen. I mean, this is just a premier title in professional wrestling full stop. And I, I think it's it's really exciting that Miro is getting this opportunity. We've seen him as a great champion before, and I have no doubt that he's going to put on some excellent matches uh, against basically anyone on the roster. I, I think there's he's the kind of wrestler who can work anybody mm-hmm. because he's jacked as hell, but he moves like a cruiserweight. Yeah, what what do they used to call the IC title in WWE? It's the workers' the title. workers' belt, and that's what the TNT Championship is for AEW. And you have a guy in Miro, like you said, who can do that week in and week out. Um, we we talked when Miro debuted about how he would fit with the AEW style, the AEW type of wrestlers. Uh, you know, we saw him work with the best friends and Cassidy. That was really great, and. This was an excellent match. I thought they told a great story, and I think Miro can do this. You know, they don't, he's a heel, so I don't know if he'll defend it every single week like we've seen like Cody do, or maybe even as often as Darby Allen, but um, it's definitely should be the focus in between pay per views. You know, we very rarely see AEW World Championships defended on TNT, but God, it feels like only every title defense, but like two or three of this this specific belt has been on TNT. Um, And actually, if you go look at the TNT drama Twitter page, their, their bio says Miro is our champion. Yesterday it said Darby Allen is our champion. They even pulled a little young bucks and would uh, they tweeted as the young bucks would say new bio. So the fact that TNT is fully backing this championship and that, you know, their tweet 53 minutes ago is how it started. It's Miro doing his entrance. 
and then how it's going and it's mirror with the belt. So I uh, <laughs> really love what they're doing here with the TNT championship. And we love Miro. We loved Rusev in the other wrestling company. Uh, we never really felt he was used correctly over there. God, when did he debut? December? Maybe a little. I, I'm having trouble remembering when he debuted. I don't uh, remember off the top of my head. But either way, like, I really don't have any complaints on how he's been used so far. Um, and tonight was just a different level. Like, he just, I think he took it up a notch. So. I mean, I think as fans, oftentimes we think what we want is for someone to be pushed to the moon right away, you know, Mm -hmm. debut and win a title in the same night. But things rarely work out well in the short term for wrestlers who get that setup. You know, they usually don't hold that belt for very long. And then they have to do the slow build through the mid card back into the title picture. And that can really kill your your steam. I think AEW strategy of debuting people in a big way to let the audience know that this person is a big deal, but then not necessarily giving them a title immediately makes it feel more important when they do win one. Mm-hmm. And I think Lance Archer is a great example. You know, Speaking of this angle, it looks like Lance Archer is going to be feuding with Miro here. Archer is somebody that we we know is very good. And I don't really take him seriously at this point just because he's lost seemingly every significant match he's been in. But when he actually goes on a tear and wins a title, which I do think will happen, I don't think he's going to be somebody who's around without ever winning a championship for a really long time it's going to feel like a big deal. And we're going to remember all of the struggles and the challenging matches that he's gone through. And I think for someone like Miro, he actually got the title pretty quickly in terms of how AEW has done things so far. And I just looked it up. We were, I was super wrong. He debuted in September. Like that seems, it doesn't feel like he's been here that long. So, um, just goes to show how long that story with the best friends went that that story lasted months and months and months. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. They, they definitely, uh, I think they've learned their lesson from Archer. Even Brody Lee had that little bit of setback when he, uh, lost to Cody, Cody Rhodes early on. So, um, you definitely have Miro as a more kind of believable, uh, champion. I also think he'll, he'll stay in this spot too. Like, you could, I could see them, you know, moving it back to Darby Allen at some point. But I think the whole point was to, one, get the belt on someone else because God, Darby had it for half a year. Um, unless you're Sheeta, you're not you're not holding the title that long in AEW, and it's obvious that we're probably gonna get a Darby Allen Sting versus uh, Ethan Page and uh, Scorpio Sky type of match, either at Double or Nothing or on a future Dynamite. So, um. I've always believed that if you're taking the mid card title off of someone, it should be because they're moving up the card, not going down the card, which we've seen in other companies uh, to be the case. So I do believe that this is a chance to make Darby an even bigger part of Dynamite and AEW going forward, which is pretty crazy to say because his segments and matches have been some of the highest rated in AEW over the last few months. So um, they obviously believe in him. They know he's a draw. So yeah, it's exciting all around. Uh, title changes are always fun, for the most part. For the most part, <laughs> there are times when we don't Unless like it's it. Gender Mahal, right? <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. 
I am a quite the fan of Jinder Mahal, so don't you slander that amazing man on this podcast, Joel. How, how do you know we I wasn't stand. talking about him losing the title? Don't hinder Jinder. Ah, don't hinder Jinder. Uh, I was wearing my Jinder Mahal shirt yesterday. Too bad we didn't, like, if we record yesterday, <laughs> you would have seen the Jinder Mahal, the Maharaja. So, uh, Joel, anything else to say about this? Uh, any specific spots that stood out? I thought Darby bouncing off of Rusev on that suicide dive was one of the coolest spots I've seen in a while. Yeah, that was one of the two that really stood out to me. Um, And I think we need to come up with a new name for when Darby does that, because he does it differently from everybody else. Yeah. And just launches himself through the ropes back first. And it looks devastating every time he does it. But the other spot that really caught my attention was the absolutely spine-shattering Uranagi that Mm. Rusev, or sorry, Miro hit. You called him Rusev (laughs) earlier, now you got me all thrown off, uh, that Miro hit on Darby that looked like it should have just blasted him through the ring Mm -hmm. and uh, was absolutely incredible. And obviously, you know, Darby is a small guy. Miro is able to do that and make it look incredible. Um, but I was really impressed by that spot and it got an audible reaction from me uh, sitting on my couch, you know, mm-hmm. commentating to nobody like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say about it is happy Miro Day, Joel. Happy Miro Day. Yes. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the number one contenders match here. Uh Pack versus Orange Cassidy ended in a double countout, but the result here isn't really what I think we're going to talk about. It's how Orange Cassidy got knocked the fuck out, and the interwebs has kind of pointed to that super kick he took because that got an like an audible gas from me because that super yeah. kick looked ridiculous. And uh, I, what I really liked about is how they handled this. Mm-hmm. Joel, flashback to the Matt Hardy almost died <laughs> at All Out last year, where that match should not have continued. They needed to like stop it or come up with a creative way to end it. And from all everything on the internet, the plan was for this match to end in a 20-minute draw. And that was going to lead to the, well, you're going to have a triple threat match instead. So they were able to flip the scripts and have Kenny come out with the belt. They were able to communicate it with the talent in the ring. Tony Schiavone was prepped on what he should have to say. And they managed to keep the story going without a ending the match and ruining their, their double or nothing plans or risking orange Cassidy's health even further. And he knew it, something was wrong because when he took that power bomb, he did not protect himself. I thought he got hurt there, but it was apparently right before that. So, Joel, what are your thoughts on this 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 whole situation that that happened? A couple things. Uh, first off, I do not like people getting drop kicked in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a whiplash situation there, and I know that you know you clap before you make impact so that they know when they're going to get hit and to brace, but it's just different. Um, there's a, there are a few other spots that I just think are, are kind of just not really worth 
the risk involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely one of them. And, and that was something we saw leading up to the really awful power bomb was orange taking these massive drop kicks when he can't see them coming and you know no way to brace for that no way to protect yourself and uh i i think i really liked the way that they handled it like you said i think in the moment i had doubts about whether he was actually hurt or not, or if this mm-hmm. was actually the angle that they were going for, it kind of made sense to me to give us a taste of what these two are like in the ring together, but then protect that because we're going to see them at the pay-per-view. Um, so I could kind of rationalize that. And they gave me that space to not be taken out of the show, worrying about one of my favorite wrestlers and is he okay? Uh, so both from a storytelling perspective and from a protect your talent perspective, I thought it was very well done. Um, and at the end of the day, we got to where we wanted to get to apparently orange Cassidy is fine and there's Mm -hmm. no concerns about him wrestling this match in three weeks, at uh, double or nothing. So, uh, we're going to get the first triple threat match for the AEW championship, something we talked about on this podcast, not that long ago. And with three of my favorite talents in the company, three of my favorite talents in all of professional wrestling all at the same time. I I mean, the phrase dream match is so diluted at this point, (laughs) but this is a dream match. Truly. And I'm very excited to see it. Um, And I also like, I want to see how AEW books a triple threat championship match. This is new ground for us. Yep. Yep. Uh, It it reminds me of when we got our first cage match last year. And I was just like, I was wondering how are they going to book a structure match in the company? How's it going to look? How's it going to feel? So uh, there's not many new things that they can show us because, you know, they've been around for two years. So this is, this is one of the things that, we've been clamoring for and not only are we going to get this triple threat dude we're gonna have some faction war here over the next few weeks because we got death triangle triangle on one side we got the best friends and their group on one the other side and then boom we got the elite so you combine that we're most likely getting moxley and kingston versus uh the young bucks at double or nothing like there's a lot of combinations of people that they can throw at us over the next month. I guess next three weeks leading up to two weeks, two weeks, next few weeks leading up to double. Two and, and, a half. So, two and a half. Yeah. So it, it it's exciting. And and um, if you would have asked me a month ago, what I, how I would have like booked double or nothing, this main event would not have been <laughs> anywhere on my radar. I, I, I think we both talked like, can they really stretch Eddie or John Moxley the story long enough to get to double or nothing to face Omega. So, you know, I, I I'm, I'm surprised and I'm very happy that we're going to see these three guys go. Cause like you said, they're your favorites. They're, these are three of my dudes too. Like they're, this is going to be so much fun and give them that main event slot and give them like 25, 30 minutes to work with. And we could get something special. No backdrop kicks. So though. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I don't think there's much, to talk about from the actual match perspective, given that it was kind of, you know, cut off midstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's move on to what I thought was the other big angle of the episode, the inner circle and the pinnacle 
and we got some promo stuff back and forth with Sammy, Ortiz, and Hager issuing some threats. And then, of course, the Pinnacle took to the ring for their coronation. Tully Blanchard did a lot of squawking. And uh, then the inner circle interrupted. Jericho came out with a, uh, you know, a Terminator cast on. And we got uh, a champagne bath in the ring. Uh, and not the we just won a championship kind, the haha, you're all going to be sticky later kind. So, uh, Mike, what, what are your initial thoughts? I feel like we're both coming at this from different angles. So I want to hear what, what you have to say about this. OK, I, I got a couple of thoughts here. Uh, one, if Santana got arrested for stabbing him with a fork, then everyone in that match should have been arrested for attempted murder. So I thought that was a pretty bad explanation of why he's not there just say he's out say he he was just not there it's fine we understand wrestlers aren't on every show so i thought that was stupid um two <laughs> this was a complete ripoff man like the the champagne bath we've seen it with milk we've seen it with beer like and also why was the truck so goddamn far away <laughs> Like, like <laughs> if you're going to do this spot, get the truck at ringside. So the first like 20 seconds, he wasn't hitting anything. <laughs> like maybe not that long, but the first few minutes, like no one got hit. So I, I thought that was a mistake too. And they, t- and Oh, if you're going to do that spot, have like Sammy, like have someone on the stage doing the initial promo, like have Jericho say, Hey, I, you didn't kill me. And then sneak it in and start shooting it right away. We knew 100% what was going to happen for the five minutes that they talked Um, because we could see Sammy on the gun. We could see the little bit of bubbly sign like they telegraphed it. So I thought it was I thought that was really bad execution. Um, So outside of the segment, I was kind of ready for these two groups to be done because I I looked at the blood and guts match as a way like you don't go into a war games match and like continue the story i just feel like that's the end of it like it's like how hell in a cell you have to go to it because other matches couldn't contain the crazy or couldn't contain the violence so i really thought this was the end of the story stadium stampede man like i'm sure it will be fun because last year's stadium stampede was such a delight and you kind of talked me off the edge is like well the elite's not in well you got plenty of creative guys to make this a good match but i just it feels like the only reason this is happening to get the inner circle, their win back, which I'm not for the pinnacle needed to win that match and be done with it. Maybe come back to it in a six months, three months, but to come back to it right away, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm not really into it anymore. They got me with the attempted murder off the cage and I'm now, now I'm done. Well, in the immortal words of Luke Skywalker, everything you just said was wrong. <laughs> i didn't know we were gonna be that mean on this show Joel. we don't <laughs> I'm usually kidding, i'm kidding go that um, route usually we say hey i think you made a couple of good points but <laughs> um you know what so eat my ass <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding um but i, I actually i've kind of come around on this segment and i think what makes it fun and what makes it funny is that it was so obvious and it was so telegraphed and MJF still didn't get it. 
because he was so <laughs> self-absorbed and so in the moment of his triumph. Like he was like Tarkin on the Death Star in A New Hope, like evacuate in our moment of triumph. And then boom, Death Star explodes and it all comes crashing down. So I, I think that aspect of it is really funny to me. The, the idea and Jericho being like, so just to reiterate, you're not going to give us a rematch. And then, of course, as soon as he experiences some consequences, what does he do? He turns around and he gives them a rematch. I think that's funny. I think it it actually works for me. And um, I, I think the first stadium stampede was so much fun. It would be a shame to not do it again. And these are two teams that are perfectly suited to do that. Uh, you have your spot guys on each team. You have some really creative and experienced people involved. And you know that they're going to bring in some of their veterans who are in the company and around to help book the spots. Like Matt Hardy's not doing anything at Double or Nothing. So what's Matt Hardy doing? He's going to be an agent for this match. I would almost guarantee it with his hardcore credentials. Someone else who's in the company who has incredible hardcore credentials is Jerry Lynn. And I think he could come up with some great spots for a match like this. So I'm not worried about this match. I think it's going to be great. I get what you're saying, and I hope we don't get 50-50 booking. That's where I will agree with you. If the inner circle wins this match, I'm going to be a little bit bullshit. I think especially since they put the stipulation in place that if the inner circle loses, they must break up forever. This is a perfect opportunity to actually split up this group of incredibly talented people and let them go their own way and form their own new storylines because the inner circle has gotten a little bit stale. I'm all for factions. I think factions are great. And I think there's opportunity for Chris Jericho to create a new faction be like, haha, fuck you, MJF. I don't have the inner circle, but look at this new group. And it's even better because that's the kind of shit heel that he can be. So I actually really dig this. I think there's a lot of creative ways they can go with it. I will be bummed if the inner circle wins and we continue to see these two teams feud for the next three to six months. Well, Joel and the, the words of Pope Benedict, fuck you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, fun, Fun fact. MJF was three years old when the original beer truck happened. Um, wow. So maybe it wasn't just he he was blinded by his self, uh, you know, selfishness. Maybe it's just he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, he was three. <laughs> like, it's like it's like when players in the NFL draft come out now. It's like, oh, yeah, man, growing up, my favorite player was like, you know, Michael Vick. I'm like, my favorite player was like. Troy Aikman <laughs> like it's just it's just a different generation so yeah you know maybe he didn't notice but um yeah it's all good points um I I, I think we might just have to agree to disagree and let's see if they can bring me back in because remember leading up to blood and guts you know we kind of weren't into it and by the time we got to the match we were in so they got a few more weeks let's see if they can drag me back in and, and get me excited I will be excited for uh, a stadium stampede match and you mentioned that Matt Hardy has nothing going on. I hope that he just shows up with a car and runs over Sammy Guevara again. 
Like if we're going to do this match again, like that should be like, like Pete Rose getting uh tombstone by Kane at like two consecutive Royal rumbles stadium stampede should just involve a Matt Hardy running over Sammy Guevara. But that's, that's just me. That's just me. All right. Well enough pinnacle and inner circle nonsense. Let's move on to lightning round. Lightning round. Joel, I'm going to start with our opening match here. John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata. Yo, not many 50-year-olds can wrestle like he can. What a match. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter referring to him as the oldest 53-year-old, and I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I saw enough of them saying it that I'm sure it's a thing. And uh, yeah, he looked incredible. Yeah, su- super fun match here. Uh, we had some, was pretty stiff. Uh, definitely was a a Japanese strong style type match, and you know, great to great to see a legend here. And I think we've talked about before that AEW is really good at kind of um, you know giving love to the history of the sport. So I feel like this was a a great way to do it. And if only Jericho or Undertaker could move like this, yeah, for real. Uh, All right, buddy, what do you got for me? So, uh, Hangman Page was on Dynamite, so it is uh, required by law that I talk about Hangman Page. Um, I loved his promo. Um, I I really dug his whole angle, and I thought it actually fit really well into the character of Brian Cage and how he's been portrayed as a member of Team Taz. Uh, I I think that when we see his response, it's going to be that, yeah, you know, I don't like that Team Taz interfered on my behalf and i do want to beat you straight up because i can beat you straight up and this was just a really good way to highlight that brian cage really isn't a heel even though he's a part of a heel faction and i think that nuance is interesting um adam page and brian cage was such a great match and i look forward to round two Yeah, uh, bring it back. We know Cage took a jump in the rankings after he beat Hangman, and we kind of joked that this was the way to keep (laughs) Hangman Page away from Kenny Omega for the time being. So what what a great way to get Hangman back into that picture by having him seek seek revenge and and pick up that W and climb up the rankings. So yeah, I'm excited for this. Also, the fact that they get pay-per-view time, no commercials, like... This has the potential to be the show stealer of an already stacked double or nothing card. Um, Joel, I, I want to touch on that Cody Rhodes promo real quick. What the fuck? Like, okay, we, we, we talked last week how we really wanted this story to stay out of the xenophobic, xenophobic tropes, which, you know, as long as there's been wrestling, there's been these xenophobic storylines and it's kind of, I found it a little funny that he was doing it against England of all places. Like Mm -hmm. usually when we see this, it's, it's countries with Brown people as, as the main thing. So I did kind of find it funny that we're going totally after like Britain. Um, But well, I I'll stop you right there for a second though, because I mean, even though it's, the UK, he is feuding with a brown person from the UK. That is true. That is true. Okay, so, so it hits it hits all the marks of our of our xenophobic wrestling promo. Um, 
I just, I didn't like it. I, him bringing his daughter into it at the end, I thought was clumsy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like he's gone to that well before with Brandy, which I've appreciated because he acknowledges like I'm married to a, a black woman. So I've learned things from her that I wouldn't have otherwise known. Those type of stuff have worked, but I thought this was just really heavy handed. And I thought it was supposed to be like he was, it felt like they were going for something way more serious than maybe it should have been. Um, and yeah, it just, it felt weird because I don't know, Joel, we, we talk all the time. There's a lot of things America has to work on. The United States has to work on and like kind of fuck you to that promo. That, that's kind of what I have to say. <laughs> it just felt very safe. But at the same time as it feeling safe, it felt like it was trying to be bold. And for that reason, it just falls utterly short on all marks. It wasn't a very good pro wrestling promo because it wasn't very focused and it didn't really drive at any particular point. And then if you were trying to point to some kind of injustice that's taking place in the U.S. or to say like, I still love my country, even though all of these terrible things have happened in its history. Like, okay, that didn't really come through either. It just felt very like fence city. And anyone who sat on a fence knows that all you do is hurt your genitals. So (laughs) not great. Not great. This problem hurt my genitals. Her mind too. It's it's the worst promo I think I've seen Cody Rhodes cut since he left WWE. If we're being honest, it, it and it wasn't even so much about like this like what we just talked about the the poor ill timed messaging. He just he also didn't feel like it didn't have a flow to it. It kind of felt start and go, start and go. Um, well, yeah. and it had the 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 reference to Shad Khan that I think sailed over most people's heads. I missed it. Well, he talked about an immigrant who came in and invented the the single piece bumper. Like that's how Shad Khan made his money. Oh, was by just, auto parts. Like he has an auto parts empire. Dad's ass. <laughs> right. Well, and it is. It is actually kind of like a, one of those stories that. Um capitalists will point to to say see look the american dream works and actually that in the context of this promo probably made more sense than anything else um but it's also a story that i feel like most people don't know unless they've done research on the Khan family i wouldn't have known unless you told um, me you know where we landed which is for one night only I'm not going to be the American nightmare. I'm going to be the American dream. Like, I feel like the promo ended very, very well. Um, Mm -hmm. And if it had gotten there in a more precise way, and frankly, in a more professional wrestling way, and less uh, I want to be a Georgia Senator someday way, um, I think it would have been much better. Yeah, there, there's a definitely a path to do that. If you want to invoke Dusty in the American dream, you can do it in a way that wasn't that. Dusty has a thousand trillion million stories out there. Like every wrestler has something to say about Dusty. Find a good Dusty story to tie it into this. I'm sure there is one. 
So, but yeah, he better come out in polka dots. He's not, there's no polka dots. This entire thing gets an F. He better come out in polka dots and he better lose. Yeah. It better be a you dusty finish. You, you, you can't be Dusty Rhodes and win the match. <laughs> like, that would be dishonoring his father's legacy. Like, yep. Dusty is, is famous for breaking the hearts of the audience by losing and and becoming an even bigger star with every loss. And and honestly, Cody has done an amazing job of that. Uh, he's taken some high-profile L's that have made him even more endeared to the audience. And I think that's probably, you know, one of the biggest parts of his father's legacy that that he's emulated. So yeah, let's let's hope for an Anthony Agogo win. Like let's make a star here. Oh, I'm totally going for an Anthony Agogo win, man. Let's fucking do it. Joel, you got something else for me in lightning round? Um, I do. I once again I'm going to sing the praises of one Christian Cage. Mm-hmm. I really loved him taking jabs at Taz and saying like, hey, you can't get in the ring and do what I do. So how about you shut the hell up? And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and basically saying, you know, my words have weight because I can get into the ring and back them up. Uh, what do you have? And I think this is going to lead to um, Christian facing off with Hook and and Hook's first match in AEW being with Christian and who better for a young green wrestler to have their first real match with than someone like Christian who can make him look like a million bucks. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm still holding out for uh, Christian versus Taz. Um, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. If Taz can do or- it, if he can go, I am down because I fucking love Taz. Uh, but maybe, I don't maybe think a that's handicap likely. match. Think... Cage versus Hook and Taz. <laughs> so so Hook can get can do most of the work and then you just have Taz come in for chokeholds and shit. I'm sure I'm sure Taz could still flip Christian in a suplex. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's one of the greatest of all time at, at throwing suplexes. So Yep. Um, I got one last thing and honestly, this should have been a bigger moment. I don't think it worked. And that was the world tag team title match where the young bucks defeated SCU and SCU had to break up. The match was great. Uh, Christopher Daniels bloody as hell, uh, kicking out of spot after spot after spot. Uh, it was great. They cut away way too fast. Like we didn't get to really experience the, the heartbreak that this team is over if that they cut to another segment, another story or something really quickly. And for a team like SCU that you've hyped up and like, wow, look at this. They've been together for years. Uh, I, I, I know you had mirror in the main event, but this should have, they should have given that post-match moment a little more time. More focus. Yeah. And I think that's the downside of something like this taking place on a dynamite and not on a pay-per-view mm-hmm. is that there's not as much space to let it breathe. Uh, that being said, the match itself was fantastic and mm-hmm. props to Christopher Daniels looking like Sam Neill at the very end of event horizon. Like what a reference. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. <laughs> that's what immediately came to mind. <laughs> 
he had blood streaking on his face going 12 different directions and uh yeah it was it was gruesome to the point where like you know pro wrestlers famously never wipe the blood off because it's you want it there he was wiping the blood off because there was just too goddamn much of it mm-hmm. it was getting in the way yo man old men bleed more i don't know why the older well, I mean, the wrestler also, the more they bleed he doesn't have any hair to soak up any of the blood so <laughs> like everything is just going everywhere also, shout out to Matt Jackson here with the ultimate heel move, mocking the I'm sorry, I love you from the Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, WrestleMania match. What yeah. a dick. What a yep. dick. Yep. <laughs> that might be my favorite angle of all time. Like, yeah. That Ric yeah. Flair retirement run. And I'm not actually a huge Ric Flair fan. Like Ric Flair is is not in my top five favorite wrestlers. Shawn Michaels is not in my top five favorite wrestlers. But that still might be my favorite angle because that's just how goddamn good it is. Yeah. Yeah. So to poke fun at that legendary moment, I thought was pretty goddamn good. Um, As much as like the kayfabe wrestling fan in me hated it. um, It was it was quite something. So, uh, Joel, anything else on um, lightning round before I, I go get dinner with my hangry girlfriend? Um, I have one final thing. I'll make this quick. Uh, Britt Baker cut an excellent promo via a backstage interview with Jim Ross, and she continues to be at the absolute top of her game and the absolute top of the women's division. I sincerely hope that she is the one to take the belt off of Thunder Rosa, because I am ready for Dr. Britt Baker DMD title. (laughs) <laughs> she she's she's taking the belt off of thunder rosa my friend i said she <laughs> no you didn't <laughs> oh. well fuck me i was excited <laughs> no 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 i get what you're saying sorry i like messing with you you know that um yeah that promo was great um i think i think it is gonna be the end of this sheet of rain which i i, I will be a little it's going to be a bittersweet because it's been a fantastic title run. Uh, Sheeta, I didn't really believe in her all that much. And then now she's one of my favorite women wrestlers in all of wrestling. So, but it is time for the Britt Baker era to begin. Um, and what a champion she'll make. So can't wait for that match either. Uh, I want to do one last thing, Joel, and just kind of, we're not going to make any predictions, which I'm just going to read to you what the, double or nothing card is because this card is shaping up to be incredible. So we have hangman Adam page versus Brian cage. Awesome. Uh, the casino battle Royal makes its return with Christian cage and Matt Seidel announced as participants already. And we're getting Christian cage versus Matt Seidel one-on-one next week, which should be a amazing match. Then we got Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Ogogo. Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. Hasn't been formally announced or formally uh, added to the card, but we should be getting Stadium Stampede 2. And then Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac in a three-way match for the AW World Championship. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's going to be a big show. Not to to mention, we'll probably get Taz and Darby Allin in something. Miro in something. Um, Hell, maybe that Thunder Rosa... 
uh, Serena Deeb match makes either the the card or the buy-in. So uh should be a great, great pay-per-view uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, all right, guys, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Uh, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. I forgot to say you can follow Joel at the other Joel. You can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda on Twitter. Um, you can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Audacity, everywhere you get your podcast. You can find us. We're there. Leave a review, subscribe. Let us know what you're thinking. And Joel, any anything else before uh, we get out of here? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. Bye. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.